Hey, murder lovers. My name is Mackenzie. This is Fatina. And you're listening to Stranger Danger, a true crime podcast. Welcome back. All right. So I've got a doozy of a story for you today. You've probably heard of it. Um, It kind of went viral uh, for kind of the wrong, weird, funny reasons, but I'll explain a little bit later. So this is a story of the Durham family. They're from Michigan. And this is Glenna Durham and Marty Durham. Uh, At the time that all of this happened, she was 48 and Marty was 46 years old. So they had known of each other back when they were younger in Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it didn't work out for them as young lovers. So eventually they parted ways and they each had their own families that they got married to. Glenda got married to Bob and Marty got married to Christina. I couldn't find reliable sources on whether or not the ages matched up on when they said they got married and started their lives. Supposedly, Marty was 19 when he met Christina, that was 14, and got married, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird, but... Wait, she got married at 14? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what was going on in Michigan at this time. <laughs> um, this would have been, like, 60s, though? Some parent signed off on something. Someone there. had to sign off she on something. She must have been pregnant. Maybe. And then Glenna and Bob got married. They had two kids together. Um, she was 17 when um, Marty was 19. So Glenna grew up, had her life, had two kids with Bob. And Marty and Christina had three kids all together. Marty, on February 16th of 1995, unfortunately, was in a really bad car accident. He was in a smaller type sedan, and he was going through a green light, and this other party, this other car, uh, ran a red light. They were in a big old truck, and not only did the other person going more than 60 miles per hour hit the car that Marty was in, but he quite literally ran over it just because the size of the difference in cars. So by miracle, literally medical miracle, Marty, although he had extensive injuries, survived. Oh, wow. Okay. He was brain dead for a total of five minutes at the scene, but they revived him. Wow. He had a shattered pelvis. His jaw was broken in half. So a la Kanye, he had, he had internal, his intestines, sorry, were so displaced that they had been pushed up to his diaphragm. He had lost his spleen. He had both his lungs punctured. He had bruised his heart. Wow. He broke his left arm. And here's what's really interesting, because because while you're telling me your entire last case, I was like, oh my God, this is what must have happened. He had a closed brain frontal lobe injury. So there was no fracture on his skull. There was no like break in his skull, but yet his frontal lobe, because of the, I'm sure the, the impact, the force got damaged even without damaging his skull. Yeah. So what I learned this uh, from my aunt that was in a really bad car accident. You, when you have, head injury one of the ways that this can happen is if you are in an accident 
your brain can actually hit the inside of your mm-hmm. skull so hard that it will bruise or injure your brain without yep. it actually hurting your skull because it's actually coming from the inside. Like right. it's internal blunt force. And that's exactly like what a like whiplash or a concussion is. Yeah. That it just it's your brain shaking around exactly. in there. Yeah. Exactly. It's like so, literally putting something in a jar and shaking it in the jar. It's like shaken baby syndrome, but an yeah. adult as a in a car. Yeah. yeah. So he had this closed brain frontal lobe injury. And what happened is although he did survive and he was um being cared for by his wife Christina, of course he spent months in the hospital and whatnot. When he was released and when he had gone back home and they were starting their what was going to be their new normal, Christina was taking care of him. But they all, his family and Christina, noticed this drastic change in his mood, his the way that he acted, his humor changed. Mm-hmm. He got his humor got a lot darker. And maybe it was from the experience itself, yeah. but also they were attributing it to this frontal lobe injury. So they just said that he he had he was a different person altogether than he was before the accident. So um, he was a lot more aggressive um, and to a certain extent, a lot more like verbally abusive against Christina. And that could be attributed to the injury. But at the same time, I think it's also someone that's just going through a lot of trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe the combination of both is just volatile, though. So. Eventually, Christina and Marty decided to get a divorce. It was all amicable. And at the same time, he found out that Glenna was getting a divorce from her husband, Bob. And because it just, it was, I guess, fate that these two people who had been, had eyes for each other when they were younger, now later in life, had this window again where they were both going to be single and rekindled everything so they eventually did get back together and they it was like a whirlwind as far as like getting married and whatnot (laughs) glenda even got a tattoo over her left shoulder that said property of master d which was for marty right before they got married um i'm assuming i mean his name is marty (laughs) and his last name is durham Oh, so, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. I was like, that, unless it's just like a D for something else, but <laughs> don't be Anyways, property of somebody's dick. Like that's just, just so classy just to get a tattoo word. though. That's a bad look. Yeah. <laughs> it's just classy. So nonetheless, the, it, it was all happy for them at that point. Um, they enjoyed doing the same things together. They went to the casinos. They spent time together there. Um, they did not have formal jobs per se not any corporate type of jobs marty was on disability he was getting about a thousand dollars a month in disability and glenna was getting paid by the state to be his caregiver so she was getting paid thirty two hundred dollars a month to be a caregiver and then i'm sure anyone with this amount of injuries is going to experience a lot of pain so he got prescribed medical pain pills on a regular and as a way for them to supplement their income or just make extra money, they would sell the extra pills that he had. Yeah. Um, he would make do with a third of it and then the rest they would they would sell. Some reports say they got an extra 800 Some reports say they can get up to an extra $4,000 a month depending on how good sales were that month. I love a good drug so, deal. 
One of the things they did, though, was that they actually let people come to their house to buy them. So it wasn't like, hey, let's go meet up at a McDonald's parking lot or whatever, or, you know, I'll go to your house. They would allow people to come to their house to buy these extra pills, which the neighbors would notice just because it was they were in a town of 500 people. Not very large town at all. Very small place. So it's everyone a pretty knew. large percentage of the population of yeah, the town being right, your client. Right. <laughs> so as time went on, um, unfortunately, Glenna developed a more serious gambling problem. So she was gambling thousands upon thousands of dollars every day at the casino. And she would let their utilities go unpaid and things just started falling apart around the house, unbeknownst to Marty. He thought that she was taking this money and paying the bills. So she was hiding it pretty well to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Marty's mom at one point saw that their home address was listed in the newspaper as a house that was coming up on foreclosure. So she, of course, called Marty and said, what the hell is this, right? Mm -hmm. And... Glenna put it off to, oh, the newspaper must have fucked up. Like, they got the address wrong. It's not our house. Of course, we're not going into foreclosure. That's not a big deal. Um, come to find out, they were in massive amounts of debt. The mortgage had not been paid for over a year. So over $45,000 in back mortgage payments. They had a credit cards maxed out. One of them is maxed out at $11,000. When you have a $5,000 a month income... That's Extra. a lot. That's <laughs> right. That's a supplemental yes. income. So even eight hundred dollars extra a month, like put yeah. it in my bank account. Like yep. I love that. <laughs> but on May eleventh was the last day that Connie, one of their really good neighbor friends, had heard from Glenna and Marty, and she didn't think of it that first day. On May twelfth. She texted and called Glenna again. At this point, she was getting a little bit worried because they were like text and call every day type of friends. Mm. They both texted and called Marty trying to figure out, hey, are you guys okay? What's going on? Cars are in the driveway. And then on the morning of May 13th, this is the morning where Connie, the neighbor, was like, okay, I'm going to go knock on their house, see what's going on. So she went over, she even jiggled the front door, it was locked, she could hear the dog named Shelby going berserk inside, like going, like barking, um, and she was like, okay, well that's weird, but, you know, nothing looks awry, at least from what I can see. So she went off to work, she still couldn't shake it, when she got off of work, she still hadn't been able to get a hold of Glenna, and so what she did is she went back to their house, and she walked around the whole house because... At least from what she remembered in the morning, the door, the front door had been locked. So she was going to go check other doors, other windows. And she checked everything else. Everything was closed. But she went back to the front door again. Maybe it's just one of those things like, oh, come on. I've got to try it again type of thing. Mm -hmm. She tried it and the door was actually open this time. So Weird. this time the dog, of course, the dog Shelby, um, met her at the door jumping and barking and whatnot. And the dog was like follow me kind of thing so the dog led her um through the house and connie said that the house was was such a mess she'd never seen the house a mess it was always cleaned up 
um, but it looked like someone had either fought or been burglarized or something. Um, she followed the dog all the way to the back bedroom, and that's where she saw Marty covered in blood. He only had his underwear on, and Glenna covered in blood, only had, she was fully clothed, but had a blanket on the lower half. They both were dead. On her way, before she had gotten to the house, there was a small bush, brush, wow, there was a small brush fire down the road where she remembered seeing some firemen, um, and I guess it was just her instinct to just run outside and yell at these people, these firemen, that there's two dead people in this house. So two of the firemen went to the house. They, of course, walk into what is two dead people. So they call the sheriff so they can have like corners and they can have detectives come out, et cetera, et cetera. Now, and, three people have walked through an active crime scene. Yes. <laughs> um, and so as they're taking pictures and they're, you know, securing the scene and whatnot, um, one of the detectives goes and touches Christina. Like they're moving something. Christina, sorry. Where did I get Christina from? Oh, yeah. They go and touch Glenna just to, I don't know, grab something. And her eyes pop open. <gasps> oh, my God. And she sh stands up. <laughs> and she says, what the fuck is going on, Marty? Does she actually, like, verbatim? Yes. And. Oh, my God. So they put her in a fucking ambulance. They rush her to the hospital. Um. She really, like, walked out to the ambulance. And apparently like... she was, like, super combative in the ambulance. Like, she was, you know, fighting back, like, what's going on? What's happening? All these things to the point where they had to, like, strap her down because she was being so uncooperative with the with the ambulance folk. So they finally, they got her to the hospital. Marty is actually DOA. Like, there is no saving him. Dead. He did dead. So Marty had been shot a total of five times. He had been shot in the back. In the forearm and in the chest. So a combination of those three, but five times. And Glenna had two shots um, to her head behind her right ear. Which we'll try and figure out here in just a second. So they get her she, to the I'm hospital. I'm sorry, hold on. She has two shots to the back of her head? To her head behind her right ear. So if... So visually, for those of you who can't see how Fatina is pointing her oh. fingers at me. <laughs> so you're saying behind the ear, but it would go from left to right. It would have gone from horizontally. Right to left. Yeah, right to left, horizontally yep. across the back of her head. Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. And they get her to the hospital. She doesn't need surgery or anything. She does stay in ICU. And while she's in the hospital, they give their adult children permission to go into the house to remove two pets, the dog Shelby and a parrot. So while they're doing that, the kids get a little snoopy. I would have too, even though they only had permission to go in the house and get the pets, they start looking at documents that because the house is a freaking mess at this point. And one of those documents was in a manila folder um, that was marked personal in Glenna's handwriting and it had what seemed like very clearly suicide notes. They were notes saying, I'm sorry to the kids, to one letter for each of her kids and one letter for her ex-husband. And who's her ex-husband? Bob. Okay. And 
at this point, mind you, the police thought that there was a possibility that this was a drug deal gone bad. Mm-hmm. Because they knew at this point by neighbors and everyone telling them that there's people coming into the house all the time to buy pills. So they discover these letters um, just saying apologies, not saying like, I plan on killing myself or I plan on killing your dad or etc. They're just apologetic type letters. But very clearly, it seems like they're apologizing for like what's about to happen or what did happen. Um, so the ex-wife of Marty takes the parrot, the kids take the dog, and some time goes by. She makes it out of ICU. She's fine. No surgery. The two bullets that are in her, that hit her head, um, didn't really even penetrate. It was just some small fragments that were in her skull. Yeah. Um, so there was no permanent damage whatsoever to her. So she made it out totally fine. While they're doing this... I'm, like, very curious. Like, do you cover, like, why she's just, like, sleeping on the ground, basically? Until... No, but I have a theory. Okay, okay. So, Christina, the, Marty's ex-wife that took the parrot, the parrot was an African gray parrot. Okay. And very chatty. And Christina starts noticing that around the same time, every evening, this parrot starts chatting. It sounds yelly. Yeah. And at one point, she's just like, I'm going to record him. Yeah. She records the parrot, and this is the piece that has gone viral. The parrot takes two different voices, one that clearly seems like a male and one that seems like a female voice, and he keeps switching his stance as is to show two people having a conversation. Yeah. He's fighting amongst himself. Yep. And the male voice that he's repeating is saying, don't fucking shoot. Don't fucking shoot. And the female voice is saying, like, you're an ass and all these things. But the male voice very clearly is saying, don't fucking shoot. And then the parrot stops and then repeats the sequence over again. Do we have the recording? Yes, we do. Perfect. (laughs) Play it. And we'll put this on all the things, too, but... How about that? So, first of all... It his, sounds like gibberish. His some of it. female but. interpretation sounds like... You're not, a, you're not a Logic fan like I am. It's, there is a Logic song where Chris D'Elia makes a guest appearance pretending to be Eminem. <laughs> and pretending to be Eminem making fun of mumble rapping. Oh, that's funny. And that's what it sounds like to me. It sounds like mumble rapping. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. But at the very least, at the end, all you can hear is don't fucking shit. Yeah, his, the male voice comes very, through very clearly. Very clearly. So then this goes viral, of yeah. course, because at this point it's still an unsolved case of right. who shot Marty and who shot Glenna. And so... They start looking into Glenna, and of course, they figure out all these finances, and you know, the house was going to be foreclosed on, and they had all this debt, and 
the question came in of, is it legal to have a parent be a witness? <laughs> it's, it's very weird, but no, the answer is no. And the reason why it's a no, it's because it's hearsay. And it's weird because it's hearsay because the person or the, I guess in this case, the animal that is would be giving the evidence could not be cross-examined. In when it's repeating what people have said to the bird, well, it or repeating be a conversation happening between two people that they, it could it, it it wouldn't be hearsay. Let's say I you overheard a conversation and you went into court and you testified. That's what you overheard mm -hmm. because the other side of whoever brought you in could cross-examine you and try to debunk what you heard. But in this case, the parrot couldn't be cross-examined and that's the only reason why bird can't so, be questioned <laughs> bird cannot be questioned bird can't be questioned so they could not use this as evidence right. although it was very compelling to everyone outside the court system that this is and everyone in in the bird community knew that it was very apparent that the bird had heard this conversation. It could not be introduced as evidence. So they had to find, you know, other means like the motives and whatnot. So eventually they found on Glenna's phone, they found her search history that was on the morning of May 13th that she searched the revolver and the instruction manual and like how to reload it. And here's why. Here's a my confident theory. gun user there. Right. <laughs> Marty was definitely a hunter. Um, and he had guns in the house, mm -hmm. but obviously she wasn't very comfortable with it. Obviously. So here's the here's the theory. So I think on the evening on the evening of May eleventh, they might have had some argument yeah. over either the foreclosure of the house or debt, etc. And um she had the gun. And the parrot heard the conversation that he heard, which is mm -hmm. don't fucking shoot. What are you doing? Type of thing. And get your ass over here. And she shot him in the back and he's in the bedroom. So the theory is that he was probably reaching for his side, like his um, night table gun. Yeah. And that's when she shot him in the back. Um, and then maybe when he turned around, um, that's when she shot him in the chest. <clears throat> so at that point, she was like, oh, shit, what did I do? Because the bullet casings that were found in the bedroom correlated to Marty shots. Mm -hmm. But then there was two casings in the living room. So he had five shots. The gun holds six. There's two in the living room. So that makes seven. So after that sixth shot, she had to look up how to reload. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, and there was a pillow like a living room pillow that had two bullet hole holes in it yeah so the theory is that she probably put the pillow up against her head and shot herself and it didn't work or it just didn't penetrate and so that's when she had to google how to reload it and shot her second sec shot herself a second time but that wasn't until after her neighbor had gone and checked on her the morning of may 13th because the neighbor had come in the morning, checked right. the door, it was unlocked, it was locked, sorry. And then so she shot herself 
or unlocked the door, shot, shot herself. And then after she shot herself in the living room, she went and laid next to Marty in the bedroom. Wouldn't the neighbor have heard the gun go off? Oh, no. It's a small town. They had, like, land around them and whatnot. So, no. The, I mean, the, it, the shot would have gone off while the while the neighbor was at work. Because the neighbor didn't come again back till oh, after work. Oh, 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 oh. So, okay. sometime between the morning, the neighbor coming and checking on her, and the afternoon neighbor coming and checking on her, she... Uh-huh. Unlocked the door. She unlocked the door, shot herself, went to the bedroom. So, she was knocked out because it was a bullet that struck her. Um, but it didn't like kill her. So, well, apparently like regained her consciousness enough that she got up, went into the other room, laid down, covered herself with a blanket. Yeah. And then snoozed it off. What? Yeah. The blanket thing, I feel like, is a big mistake in like, all of this. I'm just going to cover just myself. Just cover myself with a blanket so I'm comfortable I'm so while cold. I wait. <laughs> that would be me. Like, I would want to stay warm while I waited. It would be too cold for me. So eventually, um, she was found guilty of first-degree murder and felony with a firearm charge. Um, so she sits her the rest of her days in, in prison. But... I think it takes such an enormous amount of either stupidity or nerve to shoot yourself in the head. Oh, yeah. Like, I would, like, shaking like a leaf, like, if yeah. I went to do that. But, and but then it doesn't work the first time. You're like, gotta do it again. <laughs> again. I know. Ugh. Yeah. So, in total, seven casings were found in the house. The gun held six. Um, and because of that Google search that she did, um... And she had also texted her mom earlier in the on the morning of the thirteenth. So after the neighbor had come by, before she sure she shot herself, um, she texted her mom, "I'm sorry." That's it. But the mom also didn't reach out, which is super weird. If your kid texts you something like that, you think you'd be like ringing the phone off the hook. Like, what the hell do you mean you're sorry? Yeah. So, but in all of this, it's that parrot that kind of broke everything. Because yeah, it made them start going, "Oh, we might have." Wait a minute. A homicide yeah. instead of a burglary gone wrong or a drug deal gone wrong. Right. Because they honestly thought and were looking into that first and foremost because they knew that these were the prominent pill-selling people in town. So, yeah. <laughs> the notorious <laughs> pill-pushers. So, yeah. But we'll post that video of the parrot so you can draw your own conclusions. Um, it's really interesting. I mean, animals in general are interesting, but this, this parrot's seen some shit. Like, yep. poor guy. He's like, oh, no. And, of course, he was... And I, I was reading way more into the parrot thing than I even had to. Um, but the reason, of course, would be that, you know, these parrots are super intelligent. They have the vocabulary of up to a five-year-old at times. Mm-hmm. And... Or the intelligence of up to a five-year-old, too. And so they they have an emotional attachment with whoever their owner is. Right. And if he saw his owner get attacked and killed, then he's traumatized. So that is why he was repeating the same thing over and over. It was probably the last thing he heard, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so sad. All of her money. Yeah. They would have been fine. Money makes people do the craziest things. Crazy also, things. like, you were getting up to $4,000 extra a month in pill money. Like, girl, where is yes. that money going? Like, do right. you really need the life insurance? Yeah. 
<sighs> well, not even really because she was going to kill herself or try to kill herself. I don't too. think she was actually going to kill herself. No, I think she was going to like make it look like somebody broke in, attacked them both, but and then she was going to get the life insurance. Ballsy. Yeah. Shooting yourself in the head is ballsy. Yeah, but she did it in a way that it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, that's this week's story. Okay. <laughs> Patreon? Get a parrot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do not get a parrot. They live forever. Okay, so I was they having do. this conversation yesterday about how I think, I think God made a mistake with birds and dogs. <laughs> Dogs get like eight to, you know, 15 max, max 20 if you're real lucky, you know, but 20 is like pushing it. Right. And then you have birds that live to be 100 and turtles that live to be 100. Like, where was the logic there? Yeah. I want Navy to live the rest of his days with me and be there for the rest of my days. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. No, I know. But meanwhile, there's a parrot out there that's going to live, outlive At multiple generations. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, he cracked the case, so yeah. he's a private eye parrot. <laughs> okay. Uh, newest Patreon is welcome to the Murder Lovers group. It's Amber. Amber, Hi, Amber. B. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Amber. We appreciate you so much. This episode brought to you by Amber. <laughs> She sponsored this message. Thank you. Yep. (laughs) All Um, right. I think that's it. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.